The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Jesus, only Jesus. That's my cry. Jesus, only Jesus. He's my Redeemer, my Lord, my Savior. I come worshiping him today and praising his mighty name. Jesus, only Jesus. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I want to share with you the third in a series on prayer. Not the traditional teaching on prayer, but honestly looking at what the scripture says about how to have our prayers answered. Now, one of the keys that the Lord gave me, I found in Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse six. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then verse 24, Matthew 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray. What a fabulous promise of your provision, Jesus. What a wonderful privilege it is to come under your kingdom authority and then wait upon you to feed us and to clothe us, to provide housing for us, 
Lord, you have promised that if we will seek first your royal authority, your kingdom, and if we will seek your righteousness, you will provide us with everything else that we need. Lord, I just rest in that promise today. But I ask, Lord, that you would come very close by your Holy Spirit and you would teach us that you would teach me how to enter into your kingdom, how to enter into your kingdom authority and power, that these things would actually take place. Lord, I thank you for your promises. I pray in your holy name. Amen. One of the great frustrations as we pray is that it seems as though many times we pray and there is no answer. And we have let God off the hook by saying he answers yes sometimes, no sometimes, or wait. I don't believe that. I believe that if we are walking as we are called to walk with Jesus, he will answer us very clearly regarding our prayers and they will not be unanswered and they will not simply disappear into the ether. There is a reason why our prayers are not answered. Now this is not going to be a pleasing statement, but it's a true statement. We must either lose our corrupt our corrupt nature now or we must face our corrupt nature on the great day of God's judgment when we will be ashamed as we stand before the throne of God. Now what does this have to do with answered prayer? Very simple. God will not answer the prayer if we're walking in corruption and wickedness before him, why would he? Now, the exception to that is that there are times when the great mercy and love of God is poured out for us so that even as we're in the midst of our wickedness, he will answer a very specific prayer. That's grace that, that opens that door for us the love and the kindness and the mercy of God is meant to bring us to repentance. And so if God does answer your prayer and you're walking in wickedness, the reason he answered that prayer was to demonstrate his love and his kindness for you. But it's meant to call you to repentance, to deal with this corrupt nature. So, after you've walked with Jesus for a time and your prayers are no longer being answered, it's because he's calling you to deal with this corrupt nature. He's calling you to be crucified with, with him, to enter into his crucifixion. And so if you if you pray for the salvation of someone, 
that you honestly believe God wants you to pray for. And that's another issue. We come up with many different prayers that the Holy Spirit did not tell us to pray. And in the beginning of our walk with Jesus, he'll oftentimes answer those prayers out of his kindness and his love. But the day will come when those prayers won't be answered anymore. And they won't be answered because we have not entered through that narrow gate in a way that allows God to deal with the depth of corruption in our soul. So if you've been praying for something for quite some time and you're getting no answer, probably the answer is either God didn't call you to pray that prayer or he's not willing to answer the prayer until you become serious about dealing with the corruption of your soul. Now, I don't like that answer, but it is a true answer. I'm reminded of this passage of Scripture over here in John, the 12th chapter, verse 23. Jesus replied, remember the context of this is when some Greeks came to see Jesus. They wanted to see him and they they approached Philip and Philip went to Andrew and Andrew and Philip together went to Jesus and asked if he would be willing to meet with these Greeks. This is just prior to his crucifixion. His answer, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be also. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it's for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. This seed principle is a very important aspect of having our prayers answered. If we are unwilling to fall and die, then we cannot produce what is necessary for the kingdom of God to be realized. Now, what I'm saying to you is that God chooses you and he calls you. And you respond. And you say, I will serve you, Jesus. I will be your disciple. And he answers every prayer very quickly for a new convert. But soon those prayers are no longer answered. And we pray and we wait and nothing happens and then we have to make a decision. Is the problem with the promise of God or is the promise with me? Is the problem mine? The promises of God are yes and amen, all of them. 
I can't blame God for not answering my prayer. I have to back up and say, wait a minute. What am I doing that is blocking the answer to this prayer? Can I be very frank with you? Most of us as Americans who have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior live a very mixed life. We go through certain rituals of prayer, reading of scripture, paying of tithes and offerings, and then we go and live as best we can according to the moral principles of scripture, and we enjoy the world and the flesh and the devil. So we have one foot in the kingdom of God and we have one foot in the world. So we would say we are Christians, we're born again, but we've not let the Lord get at the inner nature, the corrupt nature of our hearts. And so some have taught, well, you can never get rid of the corrupt nature. You're always going to have the man of sin in you, and you're always going to sin. Okay, that means God will never answer your prayers. Your intercessions will be ineffective. Your prayers will not go into the heavens. And then you basically give up praying. And that's what's happened to most. One dear sister that I talk with about Jesus, I said, do you go to church at all? No. Do you read your Bible at all? No. But pastor, I pray every night. (laughs) Prayer is her ritual. Now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. Lord, bless the missionaries, bless this, bless that, bless here, bless there. I trust you. Take care of me, Jesus. Amen. That's not praying. That's baby talk. Oh, but pastor, I read my my little devotional every morning. That's baby stuff. That's not, that's the milk. That's not the, the meat that we need to get into if we really want our prayers to be answered. Now, please understand me. We are entering a time in America when we can no longer afford to stand with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. We can no longer afford to be religious while we maintain the wickedness of our hearts. If we want our prayers to be answered... We're going to have to let the Lord lead us into a life of total commitment to Jesus Christ. That means he's going to have to deal to the very bottom with all that is natural in us. He's going to have to deal with our love of money, our personal ambition. He's going to have to deal with our natural affection for parents and loved ones those parents and those loved ones and those children are going to have to be given over into the hand of Jesus and recognize that they are his responsibility. We're going to have to let him deal with our 
appetites of our body, food appetites, sexual appetites. We're going to have to let God deal with the craving of the natural man. We're going to have to let God deal with our love of life. All that makes even a converted man live unto himself. We can no longer, if we want our prayers answered, live unto ourselves. We're no longer going to be able to live for our own comfort or our own advantages. Some of you would say, yes, the Lord has answered my prayer and he's granted me favor in the giving of a job or he's granted me favor in in some kind of healing or he's granted me fa-. That's wonderful. And that's his kindness that's meant to lead us to repentance. Do you remember the first word of Jesus in Matthew? He preached repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. I want to tell you, brother. I want to tell you, sister. The kingdom of God is at hand. The coming of Jesus is at hand. This world. My dad. He used to say. Raymond. When I worked in a machine shop. Many years ago. The boss had an office up on the second floor. And it was connected to the downstairs machine shop by a a rough wooden staircase. He said he would come down that staircase with his ring of keys rattling. And he would say, It's closing time, boys. I'll see you tomorrow. And he said everybody would shut down their machines, get our lunch buckets, and head out the door. He said, Raymond, Jesus is going to soon come walking down that wooden stairway, rattling the keys of the kingdom, and he's going to say, it's closing time, boys. And we're on our way to heaven. Now, if you want to be a part of that, you're going to have to make progress like pilgrims progress toward that kingdom above. You're going to have to make a decision about whether or not you're going to continue to live for your own comfort and your own advantage, for your own advancement, if you're going to live for your circle of friends, it all has to go to the cross if you want your prayers answered. If your prayers are not answered, it is because you have not taken all of these things to the cross yet. And so the Lord, many of you would say, the Lord hasn't spoken to me. Why hasn't Jesus spoken to me? He speaks to you, Pastor. Yes, he does. If you want Jesus to speak to you, you have to go to the cross. You have to be crucified with Jesus. 
This is not a theoretical death. It's not a philosophical death. It is a real crucifixion with Jesus. It's a crucifixion that only the Holy Spirit can make an actual experience in your life. It is both a crisis point where you finally say, look, my prayers are not being answered. I'm going to have to deal with God. I'm going to have to deal with the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to go and actually get honest with him. And then it's going to be a price, a process. He's going to walk you through the rejection of your own comfortable life. He's going to take from you your love of money, but he has to have your permission first. Can I tell you, I am not allowed to spend one dime for anything that the Holy Spirit does not tell me to spend because I have no money. Every dollar that's in my possession or in the church's possession belongs to Jesus for the work of his kingdom. And I can't just say, well, it would be nice if I did this or it would be nice if I could go here. I can't do that because it's not my money. I've had to give up all ownership of my money so that today I don't have any. I live by faith. I live by trust in Jesus. And if I need to do something, I go to the Lord about that and I ask him about it. And he tells me what I'm to do. Do you have that relationship with Jesus? I'm telling you, it only comes by the Holy Spirit dealing to the very bottom of everything that is natural in your life. Especially the natural affection for parents and family, the natural affections between a brother and brother or sister and sister. That brother, that sister has to be utterly given over to Jesus. Doesn't mean you don't love them, but it means that they are given to Jesus, that Jesus stands between you. I remember my late wife, she would always say, and I would agree, Jesus stands between us. So the day came when Jesus said, I'd like I'd like your wife. I'm going to take her now. And he took her. And she's with Jesus today. He had first call on her life. I could not object. I prayed. I sought his face. But it was clear the decision was he was going to take her. Natural affection has to be dealt with in the spirit. The love of life itself must be dealt with. The comfort 
or advantage that I like for myself has to be given over to Jesus. The love of advancement, the love of success. The Lord has so broken my heart over the lack of success because as a young man, all I wanted was to be successful, to do great things for God, (laughs) but also to be somebody. And the Lord said, I'm not having it. I'm not having it, Ray. Your ambition has to go to the cross. I'm not going to allow you to be my servant and have you be concerned about your success. I know today that as you listen to this broadcast, it's only because the Holy Spirit prompted you to listen. I know it's not because of me. It's not because of what you hear. It's because of the Holy Spirit calling you. And some of you may be upset by what I'm saying to you. But the self must finally be released from itself if it's to become an agent of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that to you again. Myself, yourself, must be entirely let go of. It must be released from itself in order for you to become an agent of the Holy Spirit. And this is going to require the painful crucifixion by the Holy Spirit in your life as he begins to expose in your life, in your inner being, those attitudes and those thoughts and those actions that are self-serving, that belong to you. Now, as this crucifixion process moves forward, you will find that there will be inner discontent. I was with a dear brother just recently, and he was like a cat on a hot tin roof. He was, he was agitated. He was uncomfortable. He was tense. That was the Holy Spirit. And as we spoke together, it became obvious that it was the Holy Spirit making him so uncomfortable because the Holy Spirit wanted him to go a different direction. And as soon as he agreed that that was true and he began to grab a hold of what the Holy Spirit was saying to him, he obeyed. And immediately the peace of God began to flood into his heart. Now, I want you to hear what I'm saying. When you make the decision that you are going to go deeper with the Lord... You're going to lay aside the childishness. You're going to lay aside those childish ways where you just get down on your knees and you pray your prayer and then you get up and everything's fine and and Jesus is going to answer your prayer, but he's not. It's going to take much more than that. Now, as you begin to move forward in that crucifixion where you 
take up those places of abiding, as you take up that perhaps day of fasting or the cutting off of coffee, or you begin to take up a new understanding about what you listen to when you turn off the television, you turn off the games, you turn off the music, you turn off and you begin listening to the Lord and you begin to seek his face with earnestness. These places of abiding become handles that the Holy Spirit can begin to grip your life as you set apart that time every day. And by the way, I was on time to the prayer closet this morning. As you set aside that time to go in before the Lord in the morning, in the evening, I have a set time and then I have many times through the day where I go into his presence. But it's that set time, that discipline, that the Holy Spirit can get a hold of my life and begin to expose things in my spirit. These things have to be dealt with before I can have the power of God to deal with what the devil brings against me or against others. Do you understand? Your power in prayer for answers will be in direct proportion to your crucifixion with Jesus. Now, you're going to have an inner lack of peace regarding something. That is always a burden that says, get to Jesus. Get to Jesus. And begin to pray out that burden. Begin to pray out that discontent. Begin to pray out those feelings that something's wrong. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit will call you onward into very specific obedience. As you pray through that burden of discontent, of tension, of pressure, the Holy Spirit will outline for you, this is the step I want you to take. The Holy Spirit literally then begins to live his own life of love and sacrifice for a lost world through you as a cleansed channel. Now, I want to take you to these passages of Scripture. First, this John 12 passage. You fall into the ground and die as the Holy Spirit does this work of cleansing in your inner being. And he's doing that work of cleansing in me at even a much deeper level than I've ever experienced before. He's shown me my very nature. He's shown me the, the anger that I thought was gone. The residue is, is 
something I'm having to pray through. It comes out in impatience and it comes out in self-concern. It comes out in self-pity. You know, why is God treating me this way? Why is this so hard? Well, I know when self-pity arises and I say, you know, Lord, why is this so hard? I know that it's my flesh rising up. Because in Jesus, when I'm dead in him, it's not hard. It's joyful. And what I've learned is that I have to begin taking sides with the Holy Spirit against myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? I have made a conscious choice in my heart that I will side with the Holy Spirit in righteousness against my natural inclinations and my natural love. I am his bond servant. I'm not free. Now, this is why I said yesterday that Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, and by the way, one of my disciplines is to read the Sermon on the Mount as I come into his presence. And the first thing is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the first step to causing the Holy Spirit to begin to deal with my heart. This is what activates my prayers. There has to be a, an open confession that I can't make this happen. I have a, a man I love dearly who's a Muslim. I've been praying for some years for his salvation. I know it is God's will to save him. The Lord has been very clear with me about that but I've not made any progress toward his salvation. I've been very troubled by that. Lord, how is it that I stand on the promise for this man's salvation and I don't see anything happening? Well, I could say God's just saying, wait, but no, I know that's not true. That's a cop-out. If God wants me to wait, he'll tell me to wait. He won't just disappear. He won't just withdraw. So to actuate this promise of God to save this dear man has caused me to come and weep before the Lord over how happy are the poor in spirit because I'm not very happy about being poor yet. And I've had to admit, I don't know how to win him to Jesus. I don't, have, I don't have what's necessary to win him. 
I need the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to convict him of his sin and turn him toward you, Jesus. I can't turn him toward you. He is so full of his own Islamic theology. I can't break through. But God can break through. But first, I'm going to have to actuate the promise of God that he will do that, and it begins with the confession that I am utterly unable to do anything in the spirit realm. I can do things in the physical realm, but I can't in the spirit realm, not on my own. This is something that must be brought to me. It must be given to me. So it's a great humbling I've been taught that self-esteem was a great thing. But I've learned that self-esteem is an ugly thing before God. I've learned that self-dependence is an ugly thing before God. He wants me to depend upon him. And he wants me to go all the way to the bottom of this issue that I can't do it. He's doing the same thing to me with radio. He's doing the same thing to me in a a whole myriad of places where he's just saying, you've got to be poor in spirit, Ray. You can't do it. You can't bring forth revival, Ray. God has to bring forth revival. I can pray. but without weeping before him over my inability, owning it and mourning over it, I can't do anything. And the third beatitude, blessed are the meek or blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. These three steps are necessary if you want your prayers to be answered I'm going to say something I'm uncomfortable saying, but I'm going to say it. I was crying out to the Lord last night as I was going to bed. I was crying out over this 15th chapter of Matthew. He said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. So you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain or abide in me, and I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Well, I have not borne much fruit. And it's made me ask the very serious question. Am I even plugged into the vine? Don't take that for granted. Don't take for granted that you're plugged into the vine. You may not even be plugged into that vine. recognize that almost everything I've done in my life I've done by my own personality 
my own strength. Now, there's been a whole other side, and I don't deny that. And I don't deny that as I come into this studio, the presence of God comes as even as it's here now. And he is moving to give me the words to speak to you. I know that's true. So that was my comfort last night. I said, Lord, am I even plugged into the vine? Am I, am I a part of the vine yet or am I a dead branch? Because I'm not bearing the fruit I think I should be bearing. And he just very quietly said to me, You're in the vine, but you're getting seriously pruned. (laughs) You see, you either get cut off the vine or you get pruned. You're going to get cut either way. And I have to tell you, in the pruning, there's not much fruit bearing. There has to be time to heal. and There has to be time to produce fruit. So am I plugged into the vine? Am I, am I a part of the vine? Yes, the sap of God is flowing in my life. I can't deny that. But I'm really struggling with the lack of answered prayer in my life and the shallowness of my life. I've been crying out to God and say, Lord, I'm so shallow. I'm so shallow. I need the mighty power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And he says, you're being pruned, Ray. Trust me. I'm carrying you. Thank you, Jesus. You see why I'm saying I'm not dependent on myself? I'm dependent upon Jesus. And that's why this song has touched me that I've led with every day this week. Jesus, only Jesus. It's not Ray and Jesus or Jesus and Ray. It's only Jesus. He alone is the Lord. He alone is the King of Kings. He alone rules over heaven and earth. And the crucifixion has to be finished. The power is in Jesus. The power is not in me. Now, I have far to go. I'm the first to say to you, I am far from where Jesus wants me to be. He is dealing in the depths of my soul with issues that are so painful all I can do as he opens them is weep before him and acknowledge he is right and as quickly as he reveals these things I'm asking him in the name of Jesus to purify me by his blood to change me to remove it from me entirely, completely. I desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I desire to be able to pray as Jesus prayed. I desire for the fullness of the Holy Spirit to operate in my life, but I recognize the Holy Spirit will not come in power 
again into a man or woman's life until there has been a completed crucifixion. And it's that crucifixion that I cry out for. I'm not going to pity myself. I'm going to allow God to tell me what my places of abiding are. And then I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it. Let me read this for you. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. My brother, my sister, are you holy today? Is the crucifixion complete in your life? Are your prayers quickly answered? Does God speak with you? Does he fellowship with you? He loves you. He's called you. Let him do the work now in your life of crucifixion. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Thank you for listening. Please, on YouTube, if that's where you watch, would you, um, would you subscribe? And also, if you go to the top of the page of nationalprayerchapel.com, you'll see the donate button. We're building the August expense to pay the radio at the end of the month. Click on that button, donate, and it will take you to a website. Um, it's called tithe.ly, and you can make a contribution there online, or you can write to me. I'd love to get letters from you. I'm so encouraged by, by some of you in your letters. Um, I haven't heard from some of you, so I'm concerned about you. Uh, Leslie, I haven't heard from you. Are you all right? Some of the others of you I haven't heard from. Let me know how you are. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And would you post a link to this YouTube video on your social media so that other people can have an opportunity also to listen. And to all of you who listen to 780 AM, God bless you, my brothers and my sisters. I love you all. And I pray for you. I'm concerned because we're coming into a very, very stressful, difficult time. Some of you already having a hard time. It's going to get a lot harder before it gets easier. We're going to see a lot of 
violence and mayhem in Washington, D.C. as as wicked people begin to lay siege to the White House. We're in for a very painful financial time as well. The answer is Jesus, only Jesus. To be crucified with Christ, to walk faithfully before him in holiness and obedience, being purified by obeying the word of the Holy Spirit to you in even the smallest areas. I love you. Tomorrow we'll finish this series on prayer. I pray God has given you some ideas and some ways that you can begin to pray. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.